You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. I want to talk about imagination. I have two, uh, I have two daughters, Elaine and Agatha, and they teach me how important imagination is. And they have kind of an endless imagination about things. And it's really the heart of their fun and their play. And it's very interesting just to see how they create, imagine, reimagine who they are in the moment. Really, as they make believe, this is what they're doing. Um, and it's, ins- it's inspiring to me that they can believe and long for uh, much more than what they can readily observe, what they can readily see. And as they experience and learn new things in the world, um, unknown potential is realized right in front of them, right? If you talk to a kid, if you hang out with a kid, you learn that life is miraculous to them because they are so uh, ignorant. And, and I, I, don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. Sometimes I use the wrong word to convey what I'm trying to say. But, you know, they, they, uh, they don't know a lot. And so when they learn new things, the world's life magical to them. You know, and some of you have experienced this before, even in your adult life, like when you see something that you couldn't possibly have imagined before, right? Like the first time I saw the, uh, the first time I saw the Rocky Mountains, right? You only heard about them, and then I finally experienced this, and it's something grand that I'm experiencing that seems miraculous, it seems otherworldly. And maybe you've had the same experience, um, maybe even particularly in, in, in creation, but you, you might have had uh, other moments like that in your life. Kids experience that all the time because so much of the world is new. Somewhere along the line of my own kind of uh, maturation and development, I got the message to stop imagining and start being realistic. Like there was something that actually happened to me. Um, and I think adults in general kind of have this problem. And what's worse is that unlike children, who I think are generally aware of their limited understanding of the world, which is why they ask so many questions, a lot of adults seem to think that they already know everything. So that's a a problem for our uh, imagination. You know, being ignorant of your ignorance isn't good. Um, And thinking you know everything, or that you can possibly know everything, is a killer of faith. But we're surrounded these days by people who think they know everything. Maybe you, maybe you've observed this around you too. You know, our leaders tell us this all the time, and that sort of environment can limit our imagination. You know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this too because I, I occasionally have put my trust in leaders who tell me they know how to solve all the world's problems, and so that that um, that limits our imagination. And that limits the role that faith can play in our life. So I want to learn from our kids and keep imagining. I think imagination tills the soil of faith and the possibilities before us. I think that's why you see Jesus hanging out with kids, loving children, right? They, they, have, a, they have faith in a unique way that um, kind of uh, calcified adults like us might uh, learn from. We can dream of seemingly impossible things if we don't allow the uh, powers that be to freeze our imaginations to harden our hearts, right? 
faith is uh, faith is all about imagination. In fact, sometimes we talk about theology, which means talking about God. It's really about imagining God as the Spirit uh, reveals God to us, as it is revealed to us by the Spirit. Our imagination is an important part of our faith. So imagining another world as possible is at the heart of the gospel. Our faith disrupts our rigid way of thinking. And we can now imagine a new world, a new creation, a new humanity, new possibilities. This is what Paul is talking about in this verse. This will be the last week that we sit Paul in 2 Corinthians. Um, I don't think I have the passage up here, but I'll read it to you. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. There's an exclamation point. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The new is here. We're treating each other in a new way. We're seeing the world in new possibilities. That's the, that's the work that we're working with. We'll recite that refrain. The old is gone, the new is here. At the end of our meeting as we close. So keep that, keep that idea with you. The challenge of living in this day and age, um, in 2020, and being a person of faith, um, is that being people of faith, even in our fullest development, means that we don't exhibit the certainty that is often favored in our culture. You know, the scientific method, the uh, period of the Enlightenment in Europe particularly made certainty important for our understanding of the world. Verifiability, repeatability, observability, these are the things that we value in what we knew. We, could, we only really knew what we could observe and prove. And faith is working with a whole different way of knowing that is limited by that sort of framework. So one of the issues with needing to be certain about everything is that we ramp everything down to our understanding. And that's a limiting framework. You know, it's quite arrogant to assume that our mental capacity is adequate to understand the entirety of the universe. Um, generally speaking, we don't actually think we know everything, but we essentially operate only out of what we do know, for sure. In some ways that makes sense, and in other ways it's, it's difficult and limiting. That kind of lack of imagination leads to limited possibilities. And we need a world of imagination, not limitation, a world, a world of faith, not certainty. I'm contrasting faith and certainty here. Too often we think of doubt as the opposite of faith. But in reality, certainty is the opposite of faith. The fruit of the Enlightenment um, is the polarization, the philosophical polarization that we experience now. The, the polarization of be, needing to be certain. The, the insistence on being certain hasn't led to our unity. You'd think if that we were focusing only on verifiable truths that we wouldn't be so divided. Turns out there's a lot more happening than just that. 
You know, it's, it's, it's actually why we have so much division. And I, I don't even mean uh, kind of socio-politically. I mean even within the church. We have division. For example, about how we read the Bible. There's a segment of people who, when they read the Bible, they think it must be literally true in every facet. And so, as such, they go to great lengths to try to make it as verifiably true as possible. And then they do backflips and jumping jacks to make sure the apparent uh, contradictions and historical errors and even analogies are none of those things. You know, fundamentalists try to, they reacted to this with their own certainty to the certainty of who you might call modernists, who noted the same problems that I listed above, contradictions, errors, allegorical and analogical uh, um, stories. They, they used that data, and then they said the Bible was useless for contemporary wisdom and insight. You see, two different groups in the fundamentalist, modernist controversy, um, even in how they read the Bible, conflicted because they needed to be certain. One side made the Bible literally true in every way, and the other side, concluding that the Bible was not literally true, was useless. So you see what happens there? Two different worldviews, bent on certainty, causing conflict with each other. That kind of polarization is what I'm talking about. You know, the complexity of the Bible itself is a great way for us to see the world. The humanity of the text teaches us how to be human now, and the divine inspiration of the text teaches us how to be one with God, divinely inspired too. That kind of, a, that kind of confusing relationship that you can't quite wrap your mind around, that the Bible is both holy and human, is not unlike how we see Jesus too, holy and human, right? Divine and human. A professor at Eastern University, um, right outside of Philadelphia, Pete Enns, says this: trust is not marked by the by unflappable dogmatic certainty, but by embracing as a normal part of faith the steady line of mysteries and uncertainties that parade before our lives seeing them as opportunities to trust more deeply. Someone else read that out loud. Let's just, let's, let's resonate with, with Pete here. Trust is not marked by unflappable dogmatic certainty, but by embracing as a normal part of faith the steady line of mysteries and uncertainties that parade before our lives and seeing them as opportunities to trust more deeply. Acknowledging the mystery of our existence is really helpful for how we uh, hold on to our faith and how we can imagine beyond the, beyond what is certain. You know, you are here instead of not being here. Something is here instead of nothing. You exist. That's mysterious on its own. That you exist is mysterious too. You know. That's, this is a, even our own uh, um, existence is a mysterious quality. It's not verifiable, it's not observable, at least in origin, there's something confusing about what's happening around us. And so living in some mystery tills the soil of our faith. We're going for believing without seeing. We're going for trusting without knowing. Faith, not certainty. It's a hard place to be in, because some solid ground can be helpful. And I don't think that we're going for no certainty. The idea that there is no certainty to stand on, or even evidence to stand on, both in terms of our faith and what we think we can do in the world, 
I'm not suggesting that we ignore evidence, empirical data, observable data, and so on. Being grounded in reality as far as we know it is important and one thing. Yes. But being beholden to it as if that's all we can know and imagine is another. To, to put a, 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 a finer point to this, um, what we observe and what we can repeat are things that are knowable, yes, but they aren't the totality of wisdom and knowledge, even if they are beneath the umbrella of God's holy wisdom. Does that make sense? I'm not trying to create a whole different camp of understanding. I'm just trying to expand how we understand. Does that make sense? So I'm not suggesting that you ignore what you can observe and, and stop responding to it. You know, don't walk into traffic. The cars are real. That's what I'm saying, you know. But that's not the only thing that is real. Can you appreciate that? Because there is a, you could start going down a dangerous path here if you reject everything that you observe in your life. as not true because you have faith in God. Greater, not other. I don't think we should abandon reality as much as we shouldn't be limited by what we think we know. And allowing the mysteries of our limitations to allow us new possibilities is important. That kind of reliance on certainty calcifies our imagination, makes it hard. It, it, uh, it leads us to read the Bible poorly for one thing, but doesn't it also make our relationships harder? It makes possibilities for a new world harder, too. Can we imagine a carbon-free, carbon-neutral uh, world, even a carbon-neutral building like ours, if we're just thinking about what's possible now? Can you do that? Can you, do you even have the tools to do it? Did they give you the tools to do, to imagine the world in a new way? Or is our imagination limited by people that are uh, threatened by it um, expanding? You know, that, that's, 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 that might be a little too uh, extreme, but it's hard to imagine a new world when all we know is what we observe now. Can we imagine an end to racism and violence if, if that's how we're thinking? Can we imagine peace in our relationships and our families without further imagination, you know. The people that dream big are, are often tamped down and told to be realistic because here's the limited understanding and framework that we live in. I'm going for a bigger expanse. We can't imagine a new creation without that. And openness to not being certain can feel scary, though. Because all of a sudden we're introducing ourselves to doubt, and doubt can be scary. What we think we knew, we don't. That's a, that is a frightening proposition. I think the fear of not knowing is actually what leads to idolizing certainty. Because it's really hard to live in a place of mystery. But if, but, but if we don't learn to doubt and move through our doubt, to doubt our doubt, we run the risk of never actually deepening and developing our faith. You know, you have to approach that. Approach the edge of your understanding and then see where God takes it. You know, doubt, doubt might signal a process of rising and dying. Something is underway, something new is happening within you. God might feel far away, or that moment God, uh, uh, in that moment God may be closer than we realize. Especially if know what you believe is how you're uh, used to thinking about your faith. You know, it's, it's, and, and I, I don't want to make a fetish out of doubt, like it's a special achievement, you know. So I don't think you should pursue it, because that's how you're going to develop your faith. 
And I don't think it's really particularly uh, cool or chic to doubt. So don't, don't it's not, uh, it can be tempting to do that and to kind of celebrate it. Um, but it's not a new source of pride and you don't need to pursue it because just being aware of it will come to you. Um, so don't go looking for it, for it or let it arrive before it's time. Um, but it's not the, the reason that you can approach it is because it's not the end. It's not the final word, 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 you know. It could even be God's instrument and it might even arrive in a time that um, God decides and maybe it comes from an unexpected place. But when it does, Maybe resist the fight or flight impulse. Press through patiently, honestly, courageously, for however long it takes. And that transformation that could happen when you expand beyond what you are certain you know takes time. Being conscious of this process, it doesn't it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't relieve relieve the pain of it, but it may help you uh, navigate this instinct that we have, which is the fear, doubt as the enemy of your faith and not a uh, partner with it. Our openness to doubt and uh, uncertainty deepens our faith. You're free to doubt here in Circle of Hope. You're also free to doubt Circle of Hope. It's okay to ask questions. You know, you're free to doubt us if you think that our gospel isn't authentic, or free to doubt um, Hellenistic theology formulated in the patristic period too, if that's you think that's too influential too. There's a lot of things that you can do. Um, you know, or you just to doubt what you were given what you were given as faith when you were younger. Or your upbringing in general, right? You're free to doubt uh, because uh, evangelicals are often so hypocritical. And I count myself among them. So it's not like they're other. You're free to doubt your own capacity, your own power. Your own confidence. Jesus saves you, not how capacious you are. So we're doing something bigger together. There are people among us who doubt less, who have gift as a faith, as a, sorry, have faith as a gift. That can be a, a real thing that we have among us. Some of you don't even approach doubt very much because that's not how you're that's not how you're wired, that's not how you're gifted. And you don't have to do it alone, you don't have to figure it all out, you know. My advice is generally then practice losing your faith so that you can gain it back. You know, uh, don't be afraid to approach your doubts um, and doubt even the containers of your faith, and put them into put your faith into new containers. Hold on to the plant of your faith and repot it if you need to. Learn to distinguish between the content of your faith and its container. You know, this process of figuring out uh, what is the contents of our faith and what container it's in, or whatever that we talk about. Talk about it as much as I can. Um, sometimes we call that a deconstruction. Familiar with this term? Um, I have a lot of friends that, that have begun to deconstruct their faith and the culture that surrounds them and look, are looking for something new. And we have a lot of good deconstructions among us. You know, talkback is an opportunity for you to deconstruct what I'm saying now. So we favor that kind of dialogue. Postmodernism breeds this kind of thinking, and I, for one, think it's a good thing. Openness to deconstruction is the very form that Christianity can take as it tries to preserve its content. It's okay, deconstruct the content, the container of our faith, so we can actually till the content of it. But it's not enough to stay a deconstructionist. 
And for some people, the deconstruction can induce anxiety or be scary. So reveling in it is difficult, too. Not everyone wants to live in a time where all the institutions around us are crumbling because we actually have some security in our institutions. And I can relate to that. You know, I'm not that interested in just wiping away 2,000 years of Christian history because I, I just learned how to now, or I learned that it was okay. There's, there's a certain lack of security that a postmodern environment can provide. A certain lack of ground, you know. So there is a, there's something to be said about that, in my opinion. You know, but I'm kind of conservative, so that might be why I'm saying. <laughs> so we need to move on to something more. We need to move on to a reordering. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, enough to tear down and, and, and destroy and uproot both the build and the plant, too. The calling of the prophet Jeremiah had both of these things, right? Tear down, uproot, destroy, but then build, make something new, plant. That's what we're working on. Um, we need to create something new together. And we might and we might need to take some from the rubble of the past and create something new now. You know, at a church-wide level, this requires time and discernment. The way our culture is moving might inform our process, too. We might be listening. We might try to be all things to all people. Or we may begin to ask questions about the new institutional ties that we have. God is in all things, so we may find God in our cultural leaders, and we may find God in their void of leadership, too. So it can go both ways. You know, we're not just rejecting, um, and we're not just embracing everything. You know, we're trying to live in, a, in kind of a both and of kind of a Christian ethical framework. But we aren't just looking to build a new institution, either. Institutionalism is a... Is, uh, is, uh, is the problem that deconstruction tries to solve. We aren't just looking to stay as deconstruction people. We want to rest with God and God's reordering of the world. So I want to say we want to move and grow together, but there's no pressure to move faster than you need to from where you are now. You're okay where you are and be there for where you need, as long as you need to be, you know, whether you're an institutionalist or a deconstructionist or whatever, or you reject those labels altogether, which you probably should. I do think that that's where the alternative community is formed, where we can have the fullest and the, and the deepest experience of God is when we reorder our world and our community together. But that takes time. And we aren't ever fully out of any of these kind of areas, you know? I kind of swim in all of them depending on the time of day. You know, that's just, and that's how I work. So you're never fully done unless you get any sense of superiority about your own process. But a final word I found in the piece of my own reordering. Um, I tell this story a lot too. I joined Circle of Hope ready to tear down the world. Um, this feels like a long time ago. But, you know, George Bush was in office. The Middle East was on fire. He looks young there. I had like that. <laughs> and evangelicals were acting like they usually do, finding power, defending sinful actions, actions of the heads of state, protected by their financial, cultural interests. Yes, same story. Just repeats itself. Just live for a long time, and then you just keep saying the same things. Anyway, I was in their line of fire. I was ready to lose my faith. I was asking questions of the Bible, theology, culture, 
wondering about things like racism, justice, peacemaking, how does this all work? And Circle of Hope actually gave me a chance to express that feeling and not get judged for it. That was pretty good. I was able to deconstruct what I needed to deconstruct. And I apparently have no problem continuing to do that. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't just enough to play in the rubble. That's fun for a while. But I wanted to build something new. You know? Um, and, and, and that's, that's a thing that we do together. Many of us, um, many, 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 many of us are comfortable with challenging how things are in the world. I think that's a good thing. I'm afraid, though, that without a vision for the future, the deconstructionists might just deconstruct you, too. And so, um, well, I think the whole thing is just tearing, tearing, tearing apart what we knew. You know, I'm not just interested in doing that. I need to build something new with you, build something together. And I think we do that. You know, discipleship is about moving to intimacy with Jesus and encountering Jesus again. That means you actually have to approach your doubt, your lack of certainty with an imagination, with something new, an imagination for something new that is possible. So I hope our cells are a safe place for uh, that encounter to be realized. <coughs> you know, I think our Sunday meetings can offer that numinous experience. I think that 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 this is this will be all over the church during Lent, which is a period of uh, self-reflection too and development, letting go of what you need to let go, approaching what you need to, and then moving into fullness. You know, I think our compassion efforts provide a vision for peace um, in our alternative, and not just a, a shinier institution. You know, we want people to meet Jesus through our justice efforts and learn about Jesus too. So that's, that's my reordering. I didn't just stay, although some of you might not believe this, as the young dude ready to tear the world down. I actually wanted to build something up. That actually happened to me. So, and I, I stayed at deconstructionist for a long time, and I still feel that way. You know, I still, I still have that, 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 that uh, drive within me. You know, um, but it's not, it's not all of me, and it's not all of you either. You know, it gets kind of boring. It's hard to live in a demolished building. You know, so we're building something together. And I think that the, the, the freer that you do so with imagination, approaching your uncertainty, approaching your doubt, actually really gives us a, uh, a, uh, a foundation to build something on. Let's uh, be quiet for a second. I'll pray and then we'll do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for being present here. Help us to keep uh, experiencing the mystery of you, of you within us. Keep showing us that to build something new. Save us from uh, our past and move us into our future. Let us learn from what has happened and build something new for the, for the next person. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.